You're listening to the Jim Bradford Podcast, conversations on faith, life, and leadership. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Well, welcome to 2023. It's great to be back on the podcast with you and to bring you in this new year, a new series. If you've been listening to the podcast recently, we've been slowly working our way through the pastoral epistles, taking each of those letters verse by verse and really spending weeks working our way through them. They've been powerful reflections for me personally. Well, today we're starting another one of those letters, our final of the three. We've looked at 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and today we kick off the letter Paul writes to Titus. So in today's episode, what you get is a little bit of an introduction. Who is Titus? Where was he pastoring? And what led Paul to write this letter? I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Well, Pastor Jim, great to be together again. And uh, an exciting conversation because we're starting another book of the Bible. So it's... uh, I've come to really love what we're doing with these. Uh, well, so far we've looked at First and Second Timothy. We're picking up Titus now, so continuing uh, in the pastoral epistles. But this sort of pace of taking our time and just going sometimes word by word, sentence by sentence through these books, they've been, uh, you know, it's interesting. I found myself in my own writing and speaking, I found myself either referencing or alluding or thinking about material from First and Second Timothy just over and over and over again. And it's no doubt because of the time we've taken and just uh, how much attention we've given these. So so yeah. thank you for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Chase. I, I too, have um, um, I've studied the pastoral epistles quite a bit, but even walking through these interviews, I'm, when you do spend sometimes a whole half hour on one or two phrases, you realize every word that Paul writes has work to do. And to have the um, to have the time just to um, unpack it, I suppose is the way you could put it. I mean, it just uh, it, I, I've understood the text in ways I haven't even studying and writing on it in other contexts. So, yeah, it's certainly been true been for fun. me. And thank you to our audience for <laughs> indulging us. Indulging yeah. <laughs> us. We just enjoy sitting here having this conversation with each other. And uh, thank you for those of you who tune in. Yeah, yeah, we really appreciate it. Um, a new book, maybe a good place to start, is just with a very elementary question. Who is Titus? Yeah, Titus. Do you realize Titus is probably mentioned more times by Paul than any of his of his mm, traveling partners? That. Yeah, in addition to the book of Titus, there's at least a dozen other places that Paul refers to Titus by name in his letters. There's quite a few in Second Corinthians. So, Titus plays ends up playing an important role in in the life of the Corinthian church. Uh, he mentions him twice in Galatians, which is one of Paul's earliest letters. So, so Titus, unlike Timothy, who had a Jewish mom and a, a Gentile dad, uh, Titus is a Gentile. He's not Jewish in background, so he, he fits pretty prominently in Paul's Gentile mission. Uh, he he's called Paul's son in the faith. I think in Titus, he calls him his his true son in the faith. And he also refers to Timothy as his son in the faith. So these were two younger leaders that Paul mentored, and being sons in the faith, likely Paul had led them to the Lord. It was probably whenever Paul came to their town to preach. We, we don't know a lot about Titus's background, except that he became one of the inner circle uh, around uh, around Paul and his travels. 
he he like Timothy um was trusted by Paul to the degree that Paul could delegate apostolic authority to him uh you don't hear Paul referring to Titus as an apostle but rather as his son so so in that sense he shared apostolic authority and Paul trusted Titus to be his representative in places that he couldn't be first and second Timothy remind us that he he entrusted Timothy to be his representative in his representative in Ephesus Titus his representative in a whole group of new churches that had started in uh, in, in Cyprus um, what do we know about the place that Titus is, and specifically about those churches, um, his, Paul's relationship to those churches? Well, I said Cyprus, I meant Crete. the island of Crete, yep. yeah. Um, uh, it looks like, let's piece a little timeline together here, it looks like after Acts 28, Paul, after a couple of years in prison, and was released by the Romans, and he continued to travel, and it looks like Paul and Titus together had gone to Crete and started, evangelized that island. It's not a huge island. It's 160 miles long and maybe 35 miles wide at its, at its widest. But they'd gone to Crete and started these churches. Most of the, 2,000 years ago, most of the population center of that island, the centers would have been coastal cities, just a cluster of coastal cities. So they probably visited those, what would for Crete be the major urban areas, and started churches in each of those areas. And um, Timothy, quite possibly, was with them at that time. Then Paul goes north and leaves Timothy in Crete and uh, on the island of Crete to continue to work with those new churches. He goes up to Ephesus, drops Timothy off there, and uh, and leaves Timothy to deal with the problems in that more established church in Ephesus. And then he goes up to northern Greece, Macedonia. And it's there that he writes Timothy, that would be our book of 1 Timothy, and Titus. We honestly aren't sure um, which book he wrote first, but letter, but probably he wrote Timothy first. And then that would trigger him to say, I should write Titus as well. Because here are his two sons in the faith, that he had left to represent him and carry on the work. And so that's where we get the letter of, of Titus. Titus is left on the island of Crete to kind of finish what he and Paul had started. Okay, that's really helpful. So we should probably think of them as sort of like First Timothy, Titus, Second Timothy. Second Timothy. So all of the really emotionally loaded end of Paul's life stuff we worked through in Second Timothy, where Paul's probably not quite there when he's writing this letter now to Titus. No. Yeah, Paul's not in prison when he's writing to Titus. He's not in prison when he writes the first letter to Timothy. So we are um, we are anywhere from six months to maybe two to three years. We don't know for sure after. First Timothy and the and the letter to Titus, it's it's after that he's back in prison. He knows he's going to die really soon. That's when Second Timothy comes. Yeah, and it kind of throws up because obviously we put the order in the, in our Bibles: First Timothy, Second Timothy, and then Titus. But sequentially, it's probably First Timothy, Titus, Second Timothy. Yeah. 
we spent quite a bit of time talking about the the situation, the challenge of Ephesus, um, that there was conflict, there was false teaching spreading, that when Timothy gets dropped off in Ephesus to sort out false teaching and work, it is he is up against it. He has a real challenge that he's facing there. Do we know much about the situation in Crete and at the same time the work Titus has been left in charge of at that place? We do know that um, Crete... This this kind of mountainous area um, with these coastal population centers, it had a reputation in the Mediterranean world of being a kind of vulgar place. Um, people were known to be especially very dishonest. They were violent, uh, kind of brutish, kind of, it, it just, it, it had this bad reputation. And they also had a reputation of just flat out being immoral. Like there weren't good kind of highbrow moral values in the culture. There were being some, an island is it sort of a, a crossing grounds for travel and yeah, shipping, and it's yeah, yeah and it, all the sailors yeah. <laughs> passing through and and every every kind of thing in the ancient world yeah, dropping in and coming through and and uh, it, it 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 was not equated with high cultured society. It would be viewed as a lower cultured place they as we will see in titus they did have certain ancient social values that did overlap with biblical values and paul's going to be concerned about that respect for authority uh respect for the traditional understanding of roles in the family i mean there were those and 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 paul is going to say because of those let's not let's not live outside of those kind of cultural expectations in a way that discredits the gospel and he, the second half of the letter, he really gets into that. So it's not that they had no values, that there it wasn't a certain influence of Roman and Greek culture there, but but it just was a little on the more uncivilized end of the spectrum, which amazes me that, um, you know, the gospel can take root anywhere we take it. People are willing to go. It's, it amazes me about the missionary work. I work on a global eldership uh, that's targeting targeting some of the most unreached parts of the world right now. And, you know, you send people in obedience to the Great Commission. People go where the church doesn't exist. They take on huge challenges in very foreign cultural environment. And God starts to work, you know. So it just, Titus kind of gives me faith that, that um, you know, even in the more difficult places, well, you think the gospel might not take root. I don't think those are the kind of people that would take to the gospel. Here you see Paul and Titus end up planting these churches, and the gospel did take root, and Jesus did build his church. So T- Titus has a challenge in that it's it's a bit of a hostile culture, but all these people have come to the Lord, and they're having, and and it just happened recently. So they're all young believers. This is not a established, more mature church like Ephesus. Th- these are all new churches, and so you know Paul will say in chapter one, I I left you there to you know, to strengthen what we started or to, you know, so many words to say, you know, let's finish what, you know, what we began here, which in Titus's case would be to actually solidify leadership in each of those local churches and continue to teach people how to shed a pagan way of living and live a gospel-transformed life that manifested in good works that would glorify Jesus. So, uh, so he's got a pastoral challenge to try to civilize the less civilized and uh and and also to make sure that 
even though these were largely all young believers, that, that some could be put into leadership. It's also really interesting that Paul's just left house arrest in Rome. Uh, so you think about high <laughs> high civilization, you yeah. know, the elite, the sort of thought leaders of a culture. But yet Paul, you know, whose aim is to make Christ known where he's not been preached, would leave Rome and make his way to Ephesus, another cultural center, but also to places like Crete. Also that Paul was like willing Crete. to really go yeah. anywhere. Um, it's just always struck me. He's, Paul's not obsessed with, I've got to reach the cultural centers. I've got to, I've got to reach the, the deep thinkers. Paul really does want Christ to be proclaimed anywhere where he has not been preached and a church has not been formed. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, towards the end of chapter 1, there'll be a funny moment we'll land on mm-hmm. in future podcasts, but Paul actually quotes one of their, uh, pro- what he calls prophets, you know, one of the cultural observers of Crete. And, and he, he says, he says, you know, you know what? One of their own prophets says, Cretans are liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And then Paul says, and he was right. <laughs> you know, but that's the culture that Paul immersed himself in compared to, you know, the the heart of the Roman Empire and all of its grandeur and all of the thought leaders there and the philosophers there. He goes into the place where people are just, they're known for being liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And he preaches the gospel because Jesus loves him. Yeah. Do we know much about Timothy and Titus in comparison? So, um you know, we pick up, and I'm sure we'll get to some of this through the letter itself, but we pick up quite a bit about Timothy through the letters. Um, are we able to sort of compare and contrast Titus and Timothy? Yeah, not a lot. That's a mm-hmm. good question. Um, Titus, the the letter to Titus is, to be honest, a little bit more one-dimensional. It's a little bit more just instructive, didactic. Paul has very little, he says, personally to Titus, other than telling him, here's what you need to do, and here's what you need to be sure of. Um, Timothy, Paul had left Timothy in a real hotbed of controversy and trouble in the Ephesian church. And um, and and so in, in Timothy, you see Paul, in First and Second Timothy, Paul is actually kind of needing to really talk directly to Timothy as a leader saying, here's how you got to think. Here's what you got to watch out for. Here's what you got to stay focused on. Uh, and that's part of what makes First Timothy 4 one of the best leadership chapters in the whole Bible. And and uh, Paul, in other chapters in First and Second Timothy, I mean, really has to sort of press Timothy to hang in there. Like, like Timothy is really dealing with some difficult things. So it gives us a little lens. Timothy becomes more three-dimensional to us, and so does Paul. Uh, we see into his heart, we see more the emotional side, we see some of the liabilities. Titus is just, uh, you don't get much depth into Titus from what Paul writes in this letter, because he doesn't deal with him very personally. There's occasions in the Bible, in, in, the, in the New Testament, or elsewhere, Paul will refer to Timothy and Titus together, but but we don't know a lot about Titus from anywhere that he's referenced or this letter to Titus. It's much more didactic and instructional. And Titus doesn't need the push motivationally that Timothy probably needed. Because Titus, to be honest, 
he's facing some big missional challenges because of the culture, but but he's not in established churches where things have really gone off the tracks. Yeah, the level of conflict yeah, that it we just talked is about a much Ephesus. deeper level of conflict in Ephesus. Yeah. So, are there major themes that we should be on the lookout for if we're picking up Titus and reading through it for the first time uh, that are kind of good to help us guide us into that reading and then the conversations we're going to have? Right. I mean, I mean, uh, there, there's there's an intro theme and then the overall theme. The intro theme would be that that old leadership adage. It's so important you get the right people doing the right things. And he's, he's going to give kind of a summarized, little bit modified version of First Timothy 2. And he's going to say, here, here are the qualifications that need to be in place for those, Titus, that, that you appoint as leaders over these churches that we've started. We don't know exactly how leadership selection took place, but but that's a whole part of where Paul starts out right out of the chute. Got to have the right people doing the right things. Got to have qualified people leading, even though they're younger believers. Uh, and it's interesting in Titus, he doesn't, he doesn't say uh, don't appoint a young believer uh, because that's all he had there. He does in Ephesus. He said, don't, don't appoint a young believer to be an elder. But of course he can't really say that in Titus. So uh, he, Titus is having to make the best with what he's got. Uh, but it's still the same thing. I mean, if you get the wrong people in leadership who, who aren't living out what you want other people to look like, it's, it's going to be tough. And then um, uh, that morphs, however, he'll take a slam at false teachers. And there's that was the big issue in Ephesus with Timothy. And Titus will encounter some emerging stuff there right out of the chute. And so we do that. But all of that morphs into good works. I mean, the, you know, the... These people being saved out of pagan, semi-civilized backgrounds. I mean, their lives, the gospel reality lived out is going to be, they live transformed lives marked by good works. And good works will reflect back. Their good works reflects back either positively or negative. Well, their good works reflect back positively on the gospel. The lack of good works will reflect back negatively on the gospel. And that's pretty much the bulk of chapters two and three. Chapter two at the end, chapter three in the middle, he'll give some of the most eloquent descriptions of the gospel, but all of it's linked to those two words, good works. Is there certain readers that you think Titus is helpful for? I mean, obviously a scripture, all of us are going to find things in it that are valuable, or maybe another way to ask the question is, have there been particular times for you personally where Titus has been helpful? Is it a you know, Timothy, the patron saint of pastors in church conflict, and Titus, the patron saint of maybe church planters, or when has this book been particularly helpful for you, and who might it be really helpful for? Yeah, I think it's most helpful for people at the two extremes. The brand new believer, I think a brand new believer gets a lot out of Titus. It's, you know, I was a brand new believer when I was five, six, seven, eight years old, and so probably I wasn't into Titus yet, but um, if I was a brand new believer as an adult, uh, uh, it's kind of a discipleship curriculum, partly because Paul is laying out a discipleship curriculum for for pastoring these young believers. So if I was a young believer, that would be important. Yeah, I never thought, that's really interesting. Like, even the leadership stuff can be a kind of like, these are the aims of what, exactly. this is what, what we're you all should headed for. strive for as a new believer, and then to to live in a transformed way through the gospel. That's yeah. really interesting. Exactly, that's very insightful. And then at the opposite extreme, I th- I think 
people who are in pastoral ministry. They're not new believers anymore. They're actually in pastoral ministry, and they're mentoring younger believers. Um, Titus always reminds me of uh, a moment I had years ago when I realized that I was just kind of preaching week to week, and maybe maybe it was even a series, but in terms of I was light on application, and I didn't really know where I was going, and the thought struck me, what would someone look like? What would their spiritual lives look like, their personal lives look like, if they were to listen to me for five years? I mean, what would I want their lives to look like? They heard me preach for five years straight. And uh, and they participated in the life of our congregation. And and, and it, I realized, um, I don't think I was preaching with the end in mind. I don't think I was preaching with discipleship objectives in mind. And so when I started doing that, it really helped me become more, more specific with application. And back then, I kind of reduced it to four things, you know. I want them to be generous-hearted. I want them to be relationally connected. I want them to be outward-focused. I want them to have a worship-centered life. And so so I could, through that grid, look at text and say, say, how can application this week be another step towards what I want people to look like in five years? Um, when I read Titus, I think about that kind of turning point, ministry, point in my own ministry. So I think it's very helpful for those of us who pastor as well to keep coming back to say, we, we need to have some discipleship goals for the people we lead, because that's a lot of what Titus is about. Yeah, boy, I think that's a really helpful way of framing um, what's ahead. Um, we wanted this conversation just to be a little bit of an introduction uh, to what's to come for it, but maybe as a way of closing out in prayer, um, uh, I, I was just really struck by this idea that that Paul and Titus are willing to give their life to places that maybe others aren't paying a whole lot of attention to. Uh, or places that have been dismissed. I know there's a lot of pastors out there that they may be physically in those places, places like that that just are not paid, not high points of culture or civilization, right. or not not looked at, you know, ad- admired by other people. Um, but they're also maybe feeling that way just in in their own work as well too. That perhaps it's not contributing in some bigger way. Uh, but yet here is Titus, who we may not know a lot about, but as you mentioned, is named over and over and over, clearly a person of great faithfulness, a person yeah. of great courage traveling with Paul, and a person who ends up uh, doing this work in a in a sort of overlooked place. Um, you know, I, I want to be counted as somebody like that at the end of the day, who's just faithful wherever it is. In his case, Paul places him. In our case, the Spirit would guide us and call us and place us, that we would be just faithful to those places as well, bringing about real disciples, and real good work inspired by the gospel. Father, I thank you for um, all of those, Lord, who are listening, who who are in places that just aren't glamorous, but you love those people. Help us to love them like you love them. My God, some, some that are listening are in very remote parts of the world uh, where your church almost doesn't exist yet. Or where it's in its infancy, and uh, and we may never live to see the full fruit of the seeds we're planting now. I pray you'll give them courage to be good, faithful seed planters, knowing the harvest is up to you. I pray for those who are in uh, rural America or rural parts of other countries where small towns they just get overlooked, and kids graduate from high school and do all they can to try to get away and go to the big cities. Uh, I just pray for those who are faithfully 
building your church in small communities that some nobody's really ever heard of. My God, I thank you for them. I pray you'll give them encouragement. I thank you that there were some of the biggest crowns in heaven. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the for the people that you are calling to to, to places that are so culturally opposite to the values of your kingdom. Like when you call Paul and Titus to Crete, I just pray, God, that you'll give us courage. You can change any heart. Just give us grace where, where Lord, it, it, we'd rather be in easier places. We'd, we'd, be, we'd rather be in more receptive places. My God, help us to hang in there and to serve you faithfully. And we thank you that if we plant, Lord, um, you by your spirit can bring a harvest to those seeds we, we plant in the ground of people's hearts. Thank you for the power of your word always to bring life. Thank you for the power of your spirit to water the word and to change hearts. So give us encouragement. Give us strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Jim Bradford Podcast. We would uh, really appreciate it if you would take the time to leave us some feedback on the show. You can do that by leaving a rating or by typing out a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we hope you might consider subscribing to the show. We're looking forward to a lot of the conversations to come in the weeks ahead, and it would mean a lot to us if you'd be a part of those. If you have questions or topics that you'd like to ask Pastor Jim to hear him cover, we'd appreciate it if you'd take the time to send those in. You can do that by email by going to questions at jimbradford.org. We'd love to be able to take a look at those and get them featured on the podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.